We are continuing in this message series that we've called Enough, as we've looked, been looking at the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians, written by the Apostle Paul to these, uh, these believers, these young believers, in helping them, uh, withstand false teaching and, and, uh, you know, influences of the world around them. And today we're in chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to begin to find that. It's not a terribly long passage, so you'll have the opportunity to listen along as well. But uh, if you ever need help buying a, uh, choosing a, a good Bible, I'd be happy to help you with that, uh, or download it to your smartphone or tablet. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 1. I'll get you to find that as, uh, as we get started here. Kind of a big week for me. Um, on Tuesday, I'm going to be at the uh, U.S. Immigration Naturalization Ceremony. And uh, I will be sworn in as a U.S. citizen just in time for Independence Day. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it feels important. Uh, it, it took time and it took effort and it took expense. And it took, a, honestly, a great deal of soul searching. Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to abandon my former citizenship and become a citizen of the United States. But within a few weeks, I'm going to be traveling on a U.S. passport instead of uh, this green card. If any of you ever wondered what a green card looks like, <laughs> I assure you, there's more to that. There's an entire goatee in that face, but it only looks like somebody from G- Germany from a long time ago. It's a very bad photo. Nicht gut. Okay, um, but here's the thing. Uh, while my national identity is changing, my national citizenship is changing, I'm still the same, you know, witty and handsome guy that I've always been. Like, that's not going away. Sorry to disappoint you. What, what won't be obvious to the outside observer is that while I pledge allegiance to the flag and the republic for which it stands, my primary allegiance, right, is to... The kingdom of heaven. It's to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. That's where my first allegiance is. That's my first identity, Christ follower. If I were ever in a situation where I had to choose between America and Jesus, I choose Jesus. That's the reality. Becoming a follower of Christ changes me. Becoming an American citizen doesn't change who I am. But the Bible says that faith in Jesus makes me a new person, what the Bible calls a new creation, or alive in Christ, made new in Him. Now, here's the thing. If I'm going to live my new life in Christ, I need some help. I can't seem to do it on my own, under my own strength. The identity of my old life before Christ or without Christ has a way of wanting to come back, has a way of kind of wanting to take hold, and yet I'm called to live in a new identity. And the same is true for you. If your faith is in Jesus, you're called to live a new identity, but that old identity seems to want to call, come back. And so Colossians chapter 3 is going to begin to address that for us. If you found that, I um, invite you to stand back up again as we're going to read God's Word. We, this is one way we like to show our, our respect for the Word of the Lord. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1, says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. We sang about these exact things this morning. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, 
and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, verse 5, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to, verse 7, you used to do these things. When your life was still a part of this world. You used to be like that. Verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Amen. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. Four things I want to pull out of this uh, passage, or I think that this passage gives us, telling us about living this new identity in Christ. Four things, and we'll get right to it. The first is this, that... that you know, we're to get our mind and to get our heart on the things of heaven. If you're taking notes this morning, we have an insert in your program. You can write some things down. Uh, you, you'd write it this way. Look up and ahead. Look up and ahead. Now, I, I've been noticing something, that, and I'm sure you've seen it too, that at every traffic light, if you're stopped at a red light, just look around and what do you see? A lot of heads are what? Down. They're looking at their phone. Updating their Facebook status, checking messages. I won't say that I've never done the same thing. A few of you are probably guilty of that as well. This, this idea, everyone's, I, I notice it when I've traveled now too. Go through an airport, everyone's heads down on their device. Missing everything that's going around them. People watching is not as much fun anymore. When we're just down like this. I gotta tell you, right? You've probably seen this photo of kids in front of a great Rembrandt painting. Now, there's actually an explanation. Apparently, these kids are on a school project, yada, yada, yada. But I think it, it kind of demonstrates and it, it kind of what's... And, and I will say this. Honestly, our phone addiction is no respecter of age. Uh, so I'm not picking on kids. It just so happens it's a, it's a good photograph. Um, our emotional and our spiritual default is what? To look down to look at the things that are to look at the things that we can hold that we can touch that we can grab the things right in front of us all the time and it's it's not because you're a bad person it's not because we're bad people that's just the that's the kind of grind of daily life and it just draws us down to, to look downward and to kind of reduce our gaze in that way because what's in front of us what's in our view tends to take over the bills the, the, the tasks of the day, the concerns of your vehicles, the, whatever it is, your finances and so on. And, but what, what, you know, what if we could do what Paul says we ought to do, and that is to set our sights on heaven, to look up, to set our hearts on the, on the things of, of God and the things of heavenly matters. And it's a discipline. It takes work to say, no, I'm going to think about the things of heaven. I'm going to dwell on that. To have the spiritual eyes to see beyond what I can see right here, right now, and what I can taste and touch and feel and hold in my hand. I want to think about eternal matters. Things that have eternal value. When Jesus returns, 
And Jesus will return, and I believe it will be soon. Verse 4 says this, that he will share his glory with you. It's a kind of a, a complicated Greek structure in there, but when Jesus is manifested, we will be manifested with him. He will share his glory. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who deserves all praise and all glory is his, will share that with you. He'll invite you to be a part of that with him. He's not going to say, hey guys, uh, Finally, everybody recognizes just who I am, so I need you to stand over there. No, a little further. Okay, yeah, good. And I'm going to... No, he says, I will share. I will be manifested with you. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Are, are we ready to share in that glory of God? Paul's point is this. You're not like everybody else. You're not. You're not the same as all the people around you. Your old life is done. You get to live for what is to come, not for what is and not for what was. You get to live for what is yet to come. That's the marvelous thing about salvation and God's grace. We, we think that cars and houses and money and sex and sports and what to have for lunch is the most important thing around us. That's what just like we think about that all the time. And yet that doesn't really matter. Eternity is what matters. We all grapple with this. Honestly, we all do. I'm no different than you on that. How do we get our eyes looking up? How do we get our, our hearts looking ahead for what God is, is going to do and what God has in store for us? Well, a couple of things. It helps to, to think about eternity. Helps to, to sing about heaven. It helps to, to talk about what is yet to come, what the Lord has in store for you. It helps to live simply. It helps to live out of debt. It helps to give generously to the work of missions to the work of the poor, to, 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 to advance the gospel. Jesus says that our heart's going to be where our treasure is. And honestly, our, our, our eyes are there too. We're looking at the things that we're invested in. I, I have to confess, some of you know I, I got a new car a year ago and, and uh, Becky was leaving for work. This is so bad. Becky was leaving for work the other morning and I said, good morning, you look nice. And she's backing out of the driveway. And then she noticed I wasn't looking her. I was just staring at the car in the garage. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we look at the things that value. I'm like, oh dear. Ah, sorry, sweetheart. Have a good day at work. Right? It's not bad. I mean, I, I'm, I know you're way better at this than I am. So I'm just telling you, we have this tendency to be taken by what's right in front of us instead of getting our eyes up and ahead. Think about your future future. Not just your future, but the future beyond your future. Now, Paul had a way of, of writing about these big, weighty subjects like it's, you know, kind of no big deal. He just throws these big things out like, like he does here. He says this, verse, verse 5, we've got this on screen. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking. It's not a great word. Lurking. Lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. You know, it sounds like Paul just wants you to quit cold turkey. All those things that, 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 that just come most naturally to us. It's, it's a list. I mean, that is a list. Sexual thoughts, actions, greed, idolatry. It's a pretty big ask to say, put that all to death. Have nothing to do with it. Because for normal people, men and women, you and I included, these are exactly the things and the places of comfort, of escape, of security, using bodies, using minds, using money, 
to get what we want, or at least to imagine getting what we want in a fantasy world. That, that's that's how we're, that's kind of what comes naturally to us. And Paul says, "Put that to death. Put that to death. Take that very alive and tenacious part of your old core and kill it. Kill. If you're writing notes, kill the beast. Kill the beast." And that, that's aggressive, kind of violent language, right? To, to talk in those terms. Kill the beast. But that's what we need to do. And unfortunately, the beast has a way of, of coming back with the slightest provocation, with a, the slightest bit of attention and feeding. And so killing that beast is an ongoing practice throughout your life. The sins and habits that Paul lists are... Are, are ones that take and take and take from other people. You know, things like, uh, like this are, they're fundamentally selfish. When he talks about, uh, about these things, unmarried sex, off limits pleasure, lust, greed, these, these are ways that we appropriate for ourselves what rightfully belongs to someone else. Even if it's greed, even if it's covetousness, we take, we want to take we may not even physically do it, but in our minds and our imaginations, we might do that. So instead of being satisfied with God and with all the things that He has given for us to enjoy, we try to satisfy our, our flesh with what we can get elsewhere. Like I say, it might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be real or imagined. But if you don't kill the beast, it will consume you. Not all at once, not right away, but little by little by little. These things, they'll take hold more and more and more in our lives. That little bit of indulgence becomes more and more powerful over time. And, and, and we, look, we, if we had an honest moment, you know, we could all talk about, yeah, this is how it's, I've seen it in my life. This is how I've seen it in my life. And that's why we together say, look, we have got to be willing to say, I need help killing that beast. I need help putting those things to death in my life. Because they come very naturally kill the beast or it will kill you. No, it's not just body and not just mind that get us in trouble. It's our mouth too. Verse 8 says this, Now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander. Uh, the, the word there is the same word for blasphemy, speaking against God. And dirty language. Don't lie to each other. If you've never had a, an, an issue with an angry outburst or with putting others down or profanity or lying, um, that's great. That that is, I'm so happy for you. That's great. But you at least know somebody that struggled with all those things. And if that is you, I, I, I assure you, the people around you know it. They feel it. They they felt your aggression. They remember your hurtful words. And Paul says, now's the time to dump all that. Cut it loose in your life. Get rid of it. A few weeks ago, I was in the grocery store parking lot and I couldn't help but overhear, it was very loud, a, a couple who were fighting about money or something and they're out in the parking lot and, oh my goodness, they were just tearing each other to shreds with their argument. And I, my heart was just breaking. I thought, I, I, I want to help, I want to rescue, I want to step in and fix this, but I didn't feel like I could. But that's what kind of comes naturally to to the heart that has not been restored by Jesus. I'll confess that in, in our early years of marriage, for, to my marriage to 
Becky, who's still married to Becky. Um, I, I was responsible for giving our neighbors some some noisy fights to eavesdrop on. You know those moments when you think, oh, you, the window is open, I think. Oops. I know none of you have probably done that. But thinking back, like I don't, I don't enjoy recalling those, those moments of like young passion and, but it, it didn't reflect who we were or who we, who I wanted to be. It didn't reflect who I am. Thankfully, God's helped me a long way in maturing in that area. But those are the things that come naturally, the sins of our, our speech and our language that are hurtful. And if we're, if we're going to kind of capture it in a way for Paul, it would be this, to speak your new native language. Paul wants you to speak your new native language. You know, funny thing happens when I visit family in Canada. They say I sound American. So, you know, but while I'm there, I pretty quickly am saying words like A and sorry, you know, and and uh, especially when I'm round about the hosts, you know. Believe it or not, I've actually worked at saying, huh, instead of a. I mean, that's deliberate. I'm trying to speak my new native language. I've, I've had to say words like Mazda and drama instead of Mazda and drama, which is how they say it up there. I've had to learn new ways of speaking so I don't stick out so much. Paul says, speak your new native language as a Christ Follower, in our new life in Christ, we have a new language to speak. We are, we're, we're done with sins of our speech because he says you stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. Next week, we're going to have a guest uh, speaking for us, Ricky Sanchez. He, he's a global worker for Mennonite Brethren MB Mission in Thailand. And he's going to be taking us through the next part of this chapter, which is all about reminding us to, to dress, to put on the wardrobe of love. But here, this passage, we're reminded before we can put on that new wardrobe, we actually have to strip off the old wardrobe, the old dirty clothing. That old nature. And again, the the quickest way this tends to show up is in our language, in our words, in our speech. Um, Angry, hurtful, deceitful, coarse language does not fit who you are as a Christ follower. And truly, it's easy to fall back into this. It's easy to get into this. When you're surrounded by profanity, for example, it, it, it seeps into your language, at least your internal language. Sometime, I remember years ago, our, our boys were, were students at Clovis East, and there was some show on TV or something, and a bunch of profanity. I thought, you know, they could make this show without all the swearing. It's totally unnecessary. And I remember my guy saying, Dad, you have no idea. We, we deal with this way worse every day at school, all the time. Like, oh, and it reminded me when I was a kid, I went from a Christian junior high school, I transferred to a public high school for 11th and 12th grade, and I remember walking the hallways, I'd come from this nice, sheltered, protected Christian school, a lot like, you know, a place that would be comparable to, say, Emmanuel schools, and I remember walking in the halls, and just, kids are just cussing up a storm, and I'm like, what's happened? Where am I? What's going on? It was just such a shock to my kind of sheltered system. It's all around you. But we're to speak the new native language of our life in Christ. Change your speech patterns. 
Let me give you a few examples. One is this. How often, how common, and how easy and and prevalent, you know, that phrase, oh my God. Hear that all the time, right? Do you realize how how base that is to misuse God's name that way? How how casual and flippant for the most holy name of God to just throw it around like that? People who don't even believe in God talk about that. And sometimes I've actually stopped. Oh, what, what are you actually praying about right now? Right? It's common, but it's careless. Or or this, a few weeks ago, I, I challenged us all to, to express it, an, an appreciation or a, or a thankfulness to at least three people around you that day. Hopefully you did that. Hopefully it, it can become kind of an everyday habit for us to express our appreciation and, and compliments. But, but you, you know, you can do that. You can make a pattern of building people up instead of, of tearing them down. Instead of jokes that, that kind of dig at people and, you know, spar them a little bit. Why not throw out some compliments? I was in a meeting the other day of, of, uh, this happens to me quite a bit, but I was in a meeting of some, uh, leaders, Christian leaders, and, you know, I'm the, I'm always the only guy in the room with a Blackberry. You know, I might have the newest phone in the room, but because it's a Blackberry, I just get teased all the time. And, you know, everybody's getting a laugh. Ha ha, look at Brian's old fashioned phone. And, you know what? I did not feel very good leaving that room. Here were my brothers in Christ, leaders. And I'm like, you guys, it would be just so much easier to say something encouraging and positive. Now, there's a place for good-natured ribbing, especially kind of, it's a kind of a guy thing. We have that good-natured ribbing and teasing a little bit. I'm, I, that's, that's fine. That's really okay. But it must be vastly outweighed by the ability to say things that are encouraging, uplifting, Building people up. Why not throw a compliment out instead of a dig? Why not? It's so much easier. Well, actually, it's not easier. It's actually harder. But it's so much better. It's so much better. You can make someone feel better today with a word that you say to them. Okay? So when you're in connection time today and enjoying those great burritos, throw some compliments around the room and really mean it. And even if you don't mean it, say them anyway. Okay? (laughs) Because it feels good. It feels really good. I, uh, church settings. We can do this better in church settings. I, I, let me give you one more example. You know, um, you're, if you're going to speak your new native language here in church, here's one of the ways you can do that. Maybe you haven't, somebody walked in, you haven't seen them in weeks or maybe even a couple months. It's been a long time since you've seen them. What's normally, what does someone say? Oh, hey, nice to see you. Are you new around here? My name is Brian. Now we think, ha ha, it's cute, it's funny. Do you realize what that feels like? That's a jab to the soul that hurts. That says, oh, I'm, I'm an outsider. I don't really quite belong. Now what it's meant as is, I'm glad to see you. So why not use the words, hey Stuart, I haven't seen you in a long time. This is great to see you. Do you see what we did there? Way better. Way better. Hey, and we've, and I've done that too, so I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. But how, how much better would it be to, to lift people up, build them up? It's kind of a passive aggressive dig actually when we do the other thing. And as says, well, where have you been? I, sometimes people are away, they're on vacation, they've been ill, they're, they're sick, maybe they went to another church for a while, I mean, they're, they're, uh, working. So speak your new native language. Okay? 
Fourth thing, one, one more thing that, about this passage telling us about our new life in Christ and this. It's to start fresh and fully alive. Start fresh and fully alive in your life in Christ, but also every day. Do you know I did not have a perfect day yesterday? I did not. Who had a perfect day yesterday? You just did it perfectly. Excellent. We got a few. Excellent. Show me how that's done. Because you've already blown it today. <laughs> No, it's just a gentle rebuke. (laughs) Paul wrote this. He said, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Did you know that it does not say learn to know your Bible better than anybody else? No, You're you're supposed to know your creator. You're supposed to know the God who made you and who loves you and has a purpose for your life. That's what you're supposed to know. Similar to what he wrote to the to the Roman church in Romans 12, verse 2. We've got this one on screen as well. You know it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is how another translation puts it. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't do things the way you've always done them. Do it new. Do it God's way. But it's going to take a renewing, a transformation Of your mind. Paul continues in Colossians 3, the last verse of of what we read today, verse 11. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. If your faith is in Jesus, you are alive in Christ. Christ lives in you. And I guarantee there's days you don't feel like it, but it's true. You are alive in him. It's amazing that God has made you a new creation in Christ. You're saved by His grace. That is all true, not by your own effort. But discipleship, learning to follow Jesus, is an ongoing, lifelong process of stripping away the old self and putting on the new self, clothing ourselves in love and compassion. And I say it's a long-term, lifelong pattern because there's not a person in this room who has this dialed in yet. Not one of us has got this nailed perfectly yet. We're in process. So maybe we ought to treat, that's one of the reasons Jesus says treat others the way you want to be treated. Now if you want to treat others like you expect perfection from them, make sure that you're perfect. When When you've put on the new nature, you don't really care too much about where people come from. It doesn't matter to you their gender or their ethnic heritage. You don't need to draw any attention to skin color, yours or theirs. Because it doesn't matter. It does not matter in Christ. Yesterday morning I attended a a leader's breakfast to promote a big uh, event coming in October. Teen Challenge. You guys, i got to tell you about this because this is fantastic. Teen Challenge is is bringing um, what they're calling a live worship experience to the Fresno Fairgrounds. On the last Sunday, you can put this in your phone, October 14th, from 1 to 3 p.m., they've been given at no charge the Paul Paul Theater at the Fresno Fairgrounds, plus all the equipment, plus the people to run all the sound. They're bringing in uh, speakers like um, a big boxer, apparently named Jose Ramirez. Some of you know who that is. Um, uh, Nick uh, Vukovic, I can't really say his last name, but he's the life of... 
Say it. Thank you. Yeah, that guy. And uh, at least that's the plan to have him come. They're going to have live worship. It's going to be the presentation of the gospel, testimonies, all done by Teen Challenge. It's going to be amazing. It's free to get in. If you get the ticket for the event, you get into the fairgrounds free. It's called Arise Fresno. You, you got to be, you, you know, just get that in your in your calendar. But anyway, I was in this room as they were presenting this event that they're going to be doing. And in this room, there was a mix, a motley mix of people. Oh, was it fun, right? We had uh, we had some recovering and recovered addicts. We had some pastors. We had men. We had women. We had white, black, brown. We had older, we younger, younger. No one mentioned a thing about our differences. Not one person in the room. I sat with a guy named Jesus and a, and a ten-year-old named Matthew, and I sat with the, the leading uh, African American pastor in our city. And we had lunch together. And you know what? It was fine because we're just brothers in Christ. No one needed to draw any attention to our differences. It was in Christ, we're all the same. It doesn't matter. And when we prayed together in this room, oh my goodness, this was a Holy Ghost revival. I am telling you. I just, okay, you know I'm a bit of a crybaby as it is, but I just couldn't stop crying. The tears are just flowing. I, it, let me let me just tell you, there was, there was a brother over here, 14 years uh, of crystal meth addiction, and he was teaching me how to pray with boldness. There was an elderly a Caucasian gentleman, he was on his knees on that hard floor, and he was teaching me how to cry out to God in humility. There was a Hispanic woman, she was she was praying, and she was teaching me how to pray prophetically. I was just like, this is amazing. Not one of those people has the education that I have. They don't have the plaques on the wall that I have. They don't have the, the, the recognition that I have. But you know what? They had a relationship with Jesus that just, man, the paint wanted to come off those walls when they were praying. It's amazing. That was awesome. Awesome experience. Because they had experienced a fresh start with Jesus and they were living fully alive in Him. And why couldn't that be you? And me. Why couldn't that be us? Why couldn't we start fresh and fully alive? Every day. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this in Lamentations. He said this, The faithful love of the Lord never ends, and His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I don't know about you, but I needed fresh mercy this morning. Didn't you? Didn't you need fresh mercy today? Didn't you need to know that the loving kindness of God is continuing and isn't going to stop? It's not going to run out at 3 o'clock today. It's going to continue. And tomorrow morning, guess what? His mercies are going to start over all again fresh for you. And that's not an excuse. Like we, last week we talked about living. Do we live in law? Or do we live in, in license? Or do we in liberty? That's not an excuse to live in license of sin. But that's a reason to say, God, I want to get closer to you because I want to get to that mercy quicker and quicker every day. That's what I want in my life. And I know that's what you want in your life too. And without a doubt in this room right now, there's people, there's, you, maybe you're one of them. People, you feel like you're just going through the motions. You just do this every week and, and you're just kind of being a good Christian because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And Jesus has so much more for you. It doesn't have to be so dry and dead. But it's on you to look up and to look ahead for what Jesus has for you. To think about eternity, to ponder this reality that Christ is going to share His glory with you. Or maybe you're a man or a woman or a young person who, who walked into this room today and, and you're feeling shame, you're feeling guilt, 
You're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about what's to come. You're, you're worried that someone's going to find out what you're really like and they're going to call you a hypocrite because you feel like one. You need to know that God invites you afresh today to strip off the junk. Strip it off. Strip off the old man. Kill that beast. And begin to put that new life over you in a fresh way. And you're probably going to need some help. You're going to need a safe person or a safe small group where you can begin to open up. Where a place where you can trust people to, to know who what you're really like. What you're really like. You're going to, you're going to need some help to admit your struggles that maybe it's alcohol or maybe it's pornography or maybe it's anger or maybe it's that out of bounds flirting with a coworker and, and, and you're just on the edge and you know it's risky but it's exciting but you know it's wrong and, and you want to get some help but you don't know who to turn to. The reality is that you've put your faith in Jesus for salvation or that if you have put your faith in salvation, in Christ for salvation, He lives in you, Christ alive in you. But you have a part to play in this. You have a part to play in this. Becoming all that Jesus has made us to be so that we can what? Make Christ Jesus known from our communities to the world. We've got to look up and look ahead. We need to kill that beast. We want to speak our new native language. Or we want to start fresh and fully alive in Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we're just um, puzzled. God, puzzled. I'm puzzled that you would choose me. I, I'm puzzled that you would that you would send Jesus to die for us when you don't even, you, you don't need us, but you love us and you want us in a relationship with you. Lord, I'm puzzled that you don't just give up on me and my in my sinfulness and in my in my selfishness and my stubborn ways, but you continue to draw me. God, I'm puzzled that you bother to present new mercies fresh every day, every morning for us. But you do. You do. God, we want to. We want to know that. We want to trust you more and, and just lean into that every day. We want to lean into that every day. Lord, would, would you just be motivating us to be equipped to live this new life in you? And Lord, where there's places where we've hung on to old stuff way longer than we should have. God, would you give us the courage to get help? Would you give the people around us that we could turn to and, and get help? Lord, for the people in this room that aren't even sure if they know you yet, that today would be the day it would come alive for them and recognize it's by faith, not by, not by doing. Lord, would you give us, give us the words to be encouraging to one another, to build each other up, to speak life to each other today. God, for your glory, which we will share with you one day. We thank you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the privilege of being together. We love you. And we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.